Hello and thanks for checking out another Dynasty Blueprint. This week Matt and I talk about the value of four young players Benny Snell, DJ Moore, Baker Mayfield, and David Montgomery. Enjoy the show. Welcome into another edition of the Dynasty Blueprint. I'm your host, Ryan McDowell, joined as always by Matt Williamson. Matt, how are things this week? How are you? Happy Thanksgiving week. Yeah, yeah. I'm excited about Thanksgiving football. I'm excited about fantasy playoffs. And I I run two different sets of leagues, Matt. You know about these. I run the Kitchen Sink Leagues. uh, And those just wrapped up the, the first week of playoffs. We actually start the playoffs in week 12 in those leagues. Uh, and then in the hyperactive leagues, which you're in a couple of, yes, uh, we start this week. So we just finished our regular season. So I know f- most fantasy leagues start in week 14. Uh, we get a little bit of a head start. We have larger leagues and kind of a, a weird playoff format. So we we have to start early, but uh, at least for some of us, it's already fantasy playoff time, which really feels a little odd, but here we are. Yeah, the kitchen sink leagues you do are pretty cool. Are you, the, are you still a huge fan of them? Are they a lot of fun? Yeah, yeah, they're 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 my favorite leagues for sure. I thought so. Um, yeah. yeah, those are the ones we've we've talked about them on here before. But auction everything, contracts, superflex, Devi, tight end premium, lots of lots of different features and formats that people seem to like all thrown into one. Um, so it's it's pretty fun, pretty challenging. And I've I've had a good year in in those so far. So we'll see if I can get a title or two to go along with it. Absolutely, but you're you're in the dance, though, at least, huh? That's right. That's right. I'm in five dances. So. Nice. That's always good. <laughs> <laughs> well, Matt, we we are without our buddy Dan Sanio tonight. Dan is taking the week off. We hope to have him back next week. But we're still going to do our thing. We're still going to review the the happenings of week 12 we've got four four players i really want to focus on tonight i want to get your take on these guys and it starts with david montgomery it just just another really disappointing game for him uh, montgomery of course was the uh, i would say he was the near consensus 1.02 by the time we got uh, late in the uh, late in the off season of course drafted by the bears we all presumed he would be the starter in the lead back and he he for the most part has been but that has not necessarily been fruitful this past week in week 12 13 carries for only 22 yards uh, really no involvement in the passing game we kind of expected that with Tariq Cohen there he's only had three games this entire season uh, finishing as a top 20 fantasy scorer at his position uh, though his his value's still there uh, we, we've talked a lot in uh, over the years, really, about how these rookies, especially the highly drafted rookies, maintain their value really uh, almost no matter what happens in their rookie season. So according to our latest DLF ADP, he's RB13 still. So knocking on the door of that RB1 status. Uh, we'll start those again in a week or so for December, and I don't think he's going to be drafted quite that high 
next month. What are you thinking about Montgomery when you've seen him play, and, and how should we be handling him in Dynasty Leagues? I've been a fan, you know, going into the season. Tackle breaker seemed to have a really strong situation with Cohen taking the back seat. But the more I watch him, sometimes I watch him and say, you run like you tested at the combine. You know, like there's not special athleticism there, make you miss elusiveness, speed, burst. Um, And I wonder, this past week was rough because give the Giants a little bit of credit. They're just a massive pass funnel. They do stop the run well. They have good big people in the middle of the line and their corners just beg you to throw on them. So... Maybe that's a slight aberration, but he's hard to trust right now. I certainly wouldn't be paying the prices you mentioned, you know, where he's going on the the running back dynasty list. Um, And I wonder, considering Trubisky's struggles, is their best way moving the football using Cohen more? I mean, I I feel like it is. I've been shocked that they haven't, they haven't used him uh, more throughout the season. That was, that was kind of a theme even of last year was this inconsistent use uh, of Tariq Cohen. And there were almost always positive results when he got touches. And that's been true this year as well. It just, it just hasn't happened often. Looking at looking at that ADP I mentioned, though, I, I said Montgomery was RB13. It's the story we've talked about all year long. Players, these running backs in that range – just it's been a rough season for them. We're talking about Todd Gurley and Le'Veon Bell and Joe Mixon and James Conner, uh, on Johnson, David Johnson. Those are all the guys. Cool, that's uh, a rough list, right? Those are all the guys around Montgomery. And given his age, I would still I would still take Montgomery over most of those, even though he hasn't given us much reason to as a professional. So I guess uh, I talked about him maintaining his value. I guess that's why, at least when compared to some of the other running backs in that range. It's it's just an ugly group, and I think that's going to really push dynasty players to to go running back early when when we're doing startup drafts in in just a few months. You know, it's you don't want to wait on that position and um, and be stuck with one of those guys as your top option. That's that's about exactly what I was going to ask you. Is is there a lesson to be learned here? When acquiring running backs, startups probably applies to rookie drafts as well as go big or go home. Well, I think the the good thing is there's so many ways to play it because for all these names that were drafted in the first or second or third round of startups this past season, that the guys that we were just talking about, there's plenty of players who have performed this season who were seventh or eighth or ninth round. Uh, startup picks. Austin Eckler's had a big year. Chris Carson has had a big year. Uh, and those guys could certainly have been had much later. Mark Ingram, Philip Lindsay, um, you know, it's, it's a pretty long list. So the, the trick is, as our buddy Sigmund Bloom always says, the, the trick is just to pick the right players. Yeah. And I think you're hundred percent right about that, but I was thinking more from a, a rookie draft perspective that if you have an early pick and, Zeke, Gurley, Barkley, you know, I mean, the, the obvious stud is coming out. You just pick them and you do a dance and you're happy. But instead of the Montgomery level that's not a slam dunk NFL player, maybe you use three second rounders on running backs. And just if you don't go, what I mean by it, don't go big or go home 
either add a stud if that opportunity presents itself or throw a lot of stuff at a fan and, you know, pick the right players, hopefully. But it, it doesn't hurt you as bad as if you drafted Montgomery with the fourth overall pick or second overall pick or, you know. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point as well. And um, sometimes it feels like those studs are easy to spot and and, and sometimes they're not, honestly. I mean, you think back to 2017 and – uh, Corey Davis and Leonard Fournette were basically locked in as as the top two picks in most leagues. And then, of course, we've seen the players after that, even if they're just a few picks after that, Christian McCaffrey, Alvin Kamara, and Dalvin Cook, uh, t- just to name a couple, are are, are really the, the, the finds from that group. Those are the ones we want. So, um, yeah, it, it's just... You know, it's it's not a perfect science, unfortunately. But uh, in general, I I do like that idea of making those volume picks. You know, mm-hmm. three second rounders instead of a mid first rounder. In general, yeah, I like that idea. Madisons and people like that. You know, right. And and maybe this next guy is one of mm. those type of players. Uh, and and really interested to hear your take on Benny Snell. Uh, Benny Snell, of course, Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh Steelers running back, a, a rookie for them, uh, one of my guys from Kentucky, and finally healthy. It looked like a few weeks ago, James Conner was injured, Snell was going to get a shot, and then just a few plays later, Snell got injured himself. They both have missed time over the past few games, but Snell was back on Sunday. He led the Steelers with uh, 98 yards on 21 carries, so they really treated him like uh, like the workhorse back or, or like the bell cow back. Uh, did did not get much work in the passing game. I don't think we really expected that, especially with Jalen Samuels there. That's that's really more of his strength, so that's no surprise. Connor is not just this latest injury, but he's been in and out of the lineup uh, really all year long. It, it's been such a frustrating year for him, uh, for Dynasty players. I'm sure it has for the Steelers and Steelers fans as well. Uh, let's just start with... Your thoughts on Snell from this past week, um, were you impressed or was it just kind of a a product of the game plan? I think it's also a product of the Bengals being really bad on defense too. Yeah, and yeah. they were able to stick with the run. Um, my take on Snell is I was sitting there in the Steelers facility when they took him, knew they were going to take a running back in that neighborhood, and I kind of went, yeah. He's kind of, he reminds me a little too much of a 1985 running back. And when he got here, I thought he really did a good job of going out of his way to get better on special teams and as a receiver. Things that he didn't do a whole lot of, as you know, in the college level, a ton of. He was a you know, old school bell cow back, and he has that mindset. But the preseason and even yesterday... I don't think he does a real good job of making space for himself. I think he's kind of a get-what's-there type of back. And big picture, Connor's very hard to count on. And he's in the same draft class as Juju and Cameron Sutton, who's a good player, and Watt, who they'll put the the fifth-year option on. But I don't think Connor's going to be back. And my hunch is, with his medical and fumbling history... He lands somewhere else in a part-time role. So I think the Steelers' top priorities this offseason are skill position players, speed, and I think Snell is a lifetime backup that they're, they're future starters in college right now. 
So when you say you don't expect Connor back, are you, are you talking next year or when after his contract, his contract expires? Okay, so he's got that would be after twenty twenty, I believe. Is that right? That's correct. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I, I mean, I don't think that there's a chance he doesn't make the team next year, but I do think there's a chance they don't have a first round pick pick from the Minka trade that maybe they use a round two or three pick on a running back. Well, well, that's the thing, and you've you've mentioned this. I think I think you talked about this last week as well. That their priority is going to be to add speed and add yeah. add playmakers. But the tough spot they're in is they've traded they've traded away so many picks. Um, not only do they not have their first rounder, but they've traded uh, multiple mid round picks as well. I, I know they do have a second rounder, as you mentioned, but they're going to really have to be careful how they use those picks. And honestly, kind of in today's NFL, I would be surprised if they used uh, a day two pick on a running back just because uh, they do have those limited resources. So it might be a year from now, the more you you lay it out, you know, right. you live with Connor and this crew for next year and then go use, go big, you know, after that is Connor's replacement with a rookie who would be fresh legs. I guess that's a possibility. Uh, they will get a third round pick from the Levy on in comp pick from Lev Bell, and I think you know you've said many times it's a really deep receiver draft, and there's always a lot of running backs. Their first two picks could be at those positions. Maybe. So what are what are we doing with Connor in dynasty leagues? Because I, I mentioned his name, he is the running back ten in dynasty still, yeah. almost by almost by default. He certainly doesn't or hasn't lived up to that value this year. Uh, are, would you be selling him if you can get, would you be, would you sell him for any first round pick? Yes. Let's start there. Okay. Absolutely. I mean, I don't trust him as a Steeler fan. I mean, like, is he going to be back next week? Who knows? I mean, he's just always hurt. And I don't think the cancer is the reason why, but it can't be good for him. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I don't mean to make light of it, but. No, just uh, from. I mean, right. Yeah. I mean, like human... immune system and what it's. Sure, it has Could have to take a toll body. on okay. his young body, and then he gets in a car wreck twenty-five times a game and just beats himself up. Uh, I don't know that he has a long career, and he's really starting to show wear and tear now. So he's hard to count on. So knowing his value is is depressed lately, you would still be selling. You'd, you'd sell low on him right now. I would, and yeah. I'd sell slightly high on Snell. I think too. Well, that that was going to be my next question. What to do with Snell? Uh, this is a guy who's probably on uh, on dynasty rosters already uh, mm-hmm. in in most leagues. Unless your league is pretty shallow, he he should have been before, just as uh, as a running back on a on a team with so many injuries. Uh, but he certainly would be now. So you you would not be buying Snell. It sounds like you'd be selling him as well. Flip him for a for a third rounder. See, I was going to say, this is kind of the conversation we had before about going big or going home on running backs. Like, you probably used a third, mid to late third rookie pick yeah. on them. If you could sell them to a contender for their second, or if you could package him with the pick to move up, you know, a third and Snell for an early second or something like that and make money on the deal, uh, then I'm in. Yeah, that that makes sense. I like the idea of that. I, I don't think you can get a second uh, even up for him in most leagues right mm-hmm. now, but I do like the idea of Snell and a third for a for a second to get up into 
uh, get up into a different tier in that class of 2020. And, and I agree as you know, I'm, I'm a big Benny Snell fan, obviously. Um, and, and certainly hope he does well, but it's just hard to see him really ever gaining, a, a consistent role in the league that not only because of, um, the competition he's going to have there in Pittsburgh, but also, uh, just because of his limited role in that passing game and yeah. which also limits his fantasy upside from week to week. I, I know you're a big Kentucky fan. I'm sure he was a lot of fun to watch at the college level, but do you agree that he's not overly athletic or toolsy? I mean, he's more oh, hard. Sure. Yeah, sure. Sure. And I, and I think, you know, I think that was pretty well known coming into the league. I mean, he had some, he had some clear, you know, some clear negatives going against him, uh, which, which is what, that's what pushed him to day three. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. And there was a big run in the NFL draft right around that third round, the Madison era where I bet the Steelers would have liked one of those dudes and they went quicker than they planned. Yeah. Yeah. So in, in general, you want off of both of those guys in dynasty. It sounds like. Yes. I mean, what would it take to to flip Snell to James Washington or Deontay Johnson? Just sticking with the Steelers. Um, I think both of those guys are worth second rounders. So I I basically think it would take Snell in a second rounder. I don't think you're going to get much of a discount there. Yeah. Snell in a third doesn't buy you. Right. 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 I don't think so. Gotcha. Yeah. Washington's we can, we can talk about those two guys. Washington has, has really shown some improvement lately. Uh, Deontay Johnson has been, uh, I think better than we thought he would be all year long, Uh, kind of, kind of off and on, but uh, in general, has given the Steelers, has given fantasy owners more than we expected. You talked earlier about the idea that the Steelers might add a wide receiver on day two. I mean, they've got these two young guys. They've got Juju, obviously. So how how aggressive do you think they'll be? I mean, and, and what's what's the mindset there? Um, they also have Deion Kane, who caught a long one. I was shocked he was on a practice squad. I've been saying on Steel Radio that I think he'll be a long-term piece of the team. You know, they've been looking for wow. a speedster. Um, and he looked good this past week. Drew a pass interference, caught a long one. You know, he's been here a couple days. Um, I, I'm less in the camp that they have to get a receiver this offseason because Washington's really stepping up. I've really liked Deontay Johnson. Your boy Juju is the old man in the wide receiver room. I think he's just turned 23, you know, so they're all very yeah. young. I think that they'll... They'll look at this year and say, wow, this was a really formative, important year. And then next year, there'll be noticeably better players with Roethlisberger. So maybe that group is enough. I just think they could use Ted Ginn, Deshaun Jackson, you know, someone that just scares you over the top. They don't have a burner. Yeah, that's that's fair. Let's stay in the AFC North. I want to talk about Baker Mayfield. So Mayfield is a guy who I think we would all probably agree was overvalued for much of the off season and, and heading into the regular season. Once they, the Browns made that trade for Odell Beckham, it, it seems like just we as a dynasty community all agreed that Mayfield was suddenly a top three quarterback. And, and in hindsight, that was, uh, that was probably not not very wise. Sure. Um, it started the season with a lot of struggles. The entire Browns team did, really. Uh, through his first seven games, Mayfield had one 
finish as a top 14 quarterback in fantasy scoring. Uh, but now he's put together four straight uh, games like that, including la- this past week, 327 yards, three touchdowns. And, and we can throw in that, yes, that was over Miami, but hey, he's he's playing the games that, that are on the schedule, right? And, he, yeah. and he's, he's putting up numbers. That's what you're supposed to do against those bad teams. So is Mayfield back? How how are we valuing him in this up-and-down season? Uh, he also did good work against the Steelers, a really good defense on Thursday night. And I feel like him and Kitchens have calmed down, you know, that they're hiding a weak offensive line much better. He's very calm. The accuracy is his calling card. He's not turning the ball over, buying time with rollouts and, you know, precision footwork and using his weapons better. Finally, I think him and Odell are starting to click a little bit. I don't think he has a super high ceiling because he's not a runner and there's so many other dynamic players athletically at this position that I don't think he can ever be a top three type dynasty quarterback asset, but I think he's legit. I think he's definitely top 10-ish and isn't going to go, isn't going to be a bust, isn't going to be, you know, everyone make fun of Baker like we were earlier in the season. I mean, he's a good player. Okay. You kind of answered my question there. Looking back at at our dynasty ADP throughout the, uh, from the end of last season, throughout the off season, uh, looking at April, and that that was, of course, right around the tra- time that, or, or soon after, I should say, that the Browns made the trade. He moves up to quarterback three. May, he's quarterback two. And then he stays in that top four until this month, November. Uh, he drops all the way down to quarterback 10, uh, which is about where he was to end last season. So if I tell you he, you can have him as a top three quarterback, or the the lower part of the top 10, it sounds like you're more comfortable with the latter there. Yeah, for sure. And remember we did that quarterback draft a couple of weeks ago with Dan, and Mayfield's arrow's still going up more than when we did that. I think he went like eight or nine. Does that sound right to you? I, I think that's about right. Yeah. yeah, and I think that's what he is, but I'd be even more secure. Like, here's a good one. Baker or Wentz? He's been uh, awful lately. Yeah, he he's not <laughs> been so good himself. He's got he's got some issues, and now he's also injured. So he's he's got plenty of issues. I I would take Baker there. Would you? Um, I think I think I actually took Wentz over Baker in that draft. But uh, you know things change quickly. Looking at that ADP, Baker is quarterback ten, as I mentioned. He's behind Matt Ryan. I'd be I would still prefer uh, Baker to Ryan. Me too. Of course, he's he's behind Carson Wentz. Uh, as I mentioned, so maybe maybe he's got room to move up a couple spots. If you're drafting a new team right now, it's we can we can do our fast forward idea. Mm-hmm. If it's the off season of uh, 2020, and we'll we'll make it a super flex league just for a little a little more fun. Baker Mayfield or Aaron Rodgers, who would you take? That is a good one. Probably Mayfield. I mean, it'd be. Ni- Especially with Superflex, it would be nice that... I mean, I don't think he's ever going to get replaced as a Brown starter. I'm, I'm, I think he's past that hump where, like I said, he's a good quarterback. I bet he lasts 10 years in the league, you know, and has some ups and downs like everybody. Where three more years of Rodgers versus 10 years of Baker, I'll take Baker. Yeah, yeah, I, I totally agree. And, and it's it's all about it's all about age and how many quality years left. Uh, but I, I would take Mayfield as well. Yeah, I mean, if it was not super flex, I think I'd take Rodgers. 
Yeah, yeah, that's fair. Because you just find another one when he's done, you know. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, folks, I've told you a lot about our friends at Harry's, and they have some really good things going on for the holidays. I've mentioned to you before that I have totally switched over. Um, I have very sensitive skin when it comes to shaving, and I had to use an electric for many years until I found Harry's. So uh, listeners to our show can get 5 bucks off any Harry's shave set. Head to harrys.com slash dynasty. The free shipping ends on December 16th, so act right now. Um, it's a practical gift for any of the guys in your life, father, son, uncle, whatever. It's a practical gift he'll actually use. Harry's makes sharp blades that last. German engineers and award-winning, and I definitely get to use them longer than I do other blades. They definitely last. Backed by a 100% quality guarantee. So if he doesn't love his shave, you get a full refund. That won't be a problem. I can promise you that. It's a great deal for you and him. Holiday sets start at just 20 bucks. That's within San Secret Santa limits. And Harry's blade refills are as low as 2 bucks each, so your guy, your guy will save money over time. It comes ready to gift in a handsome holiday gift box. And your gift gives back. 1% of each sale will be donated to charitable organizations. Very festive. So, as a special offer for fans of our show, we've partnered with Harry's to give you a $5 discount off any shave set, including their limited edition holiday sets, when you go to harrys.com dynasty. Plus, you'll get free shipping. That's great. Um, every Harry's shaving set comes with a weighted wonderful handle with an option to engrave. Five-blade razor cartridges, foaming shave gel for rich lather that smells great, travel cover to protect your blades, packaged in a handsome holiday gift box. So, like I said, free shipping ends on December 16th, so act now. Just go to harrys.com slash dynasty. That's harrys.com slash dynasty. Matt, the last player we want to talk about tonight is DJ Moore. And, and I, I talked about things changing quickly, even in Dynasty. Just last week, we did our wide receiver uh, back to the future draft, drafting as if we were uh, building a team in the offseason of 2020. We drafted 12 wide receivers, me and you, along with Dan. And we did not draft DJ Moore. He was not in our top 12. I think if we did that same exercise right now or next week, he certainly would be. Uh, in fact, I recently updated my dynasty rankings and moved him up to wide receiver 10. He finally had that big breakout game. He's, it feels like he's been knocking on the door all season. He's had several uh, solid wide receiver two type games. But this week, six catches, 126 yards, two touchdowns. And, of course, he's doing all this with Kyle Allen, who I think uh, most people have given up on as a long-term starter. Is that fair to say? I think so. I mean, the turnovers, I think he's kind of been figured out, although he was pretty good this past week in New Orleans. Well, that's the thing. He's He, he gives you those games, and then he gives you the four interception games. So yeah. it's uh, Although there's there's plenty of quarterbacks like that around the league. So uh, let's let's talk about DJ Moore here, though. Uh, I said I moved him up to wide receiver 10. In our ADP, he's wide receiver 16. And we talked about the kind of ugly running back two, running back three tier. It's it's the complete opposite when you're looking at these receivers. The guys around him are all trending in the right direction. Tyler Lockett, Stephon Diggs, Kenny Galladay, Cooper Cup, uh, Calvin Ridley, all of these guys gaining value it's it's just it's hard to it's hard to rank these guys right you yeah. you put one at ten and you're knocking down 
uh, another well-deserving uh, player. So Cortland kinda, Sutton, or, you know. Some, right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And that didn't even mention Cortland Sutton. He's a little further down the list. I think that will change uh, next month as well. But let, let's talk about, about more. What have you seen from him? How highly are you valuing him right now? Uh, I'm very high. I mean, I, I think one of the negatives you could perceive is, well, what's his quarterback situation going to look like going forward? Are they going to keep Cam? Are they going to, you know, bring somebody in? Could there be coaching changes? I mean, okay. But I kind of feel like worst case scenario, Allen will be his quarterback and Allen loves him. I mean, Allen throws his way such regular, I mean, so many targets lately and they're paying off for him. He can attack the field deep. He's good after the catch. He's good in the short to intermediate zones. He brings a lot to the table. Um, I think he's knocking on the door of being a true NFL wide receiver one, which is a term I don't throw around loosely. Really good football player, only getting better. So I'm with you. I mean, I'm kind of, I still have our notes sitting here from our our dynasty draft of, for 2020 receivers. And I don't know that I wouldn't have them even higher than 10. You know, like I'll take them over Sutton and Keenan Allen and Cup. I mean, I think he's in that Diggs range, Godwin range. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I, I actually uh, just earlier today put a poll on Twitter. Uh, which wide receiver do you want in a dynasty league pitting DJ Moore against Julio Jones? And uh, these guys have given you almost the exact same uh, level of production this season. I think, I think Julio is outscoring DJ Moore by less than half a point per game in PPR leagues. So uh, nearly identical scoring. Uh, obviously Moore is years and years younger, almost 10 years younger, actually. And even knowing all that and, and preferring more myself, I was still surprised by the results. Over 3,000 votes. DJ Moore has 73% wow. uh, to just 27% for Julio Jones. So uh, certainly some vocal Julio supporters who... <laughs> who let me know that that poll and the results were pretty crazy, but, <laughs> but I, I get it. I mean, I, I talk about it all the time. You're buying back years. You've got two players who are performing, uh, virtually the same right now. One of them is seven or eight years younger than the other. It, it, to me, it's, it's not really a contest. No, me either. Like before you said the results of the poll, I was sitting here going, I'll give you Julio in a second in a heartbeat for DJ Moore. Then I'm sitting there thinking, if I'm a pretty good team, would I give a first? <laughs> I mean, uh, I think there's a gap there. I'd gladly give you two seconds in Julio for DJ Moore. I mean, I, I might rather, I mean, which box would you rather check on Sunday right now in their career? I think that's debatable. Right, exactly. And, and if that's close, if you think week 12 is close, right? then when you put on that dynasty uh, that dynasty hat and you think, okay, not just who do I want for week 12 or week 13, but who do I want for the next two years or the next three years? Or if, if you're really crazy, the next five years, then it, it it's not even close. Uh, we've seen this same pattern with, with these high scoring, the, these wide receivers we love, right? It happened. We've seen it happen over the past year with AJ Green. We've seen it happen with Demarius Thomas. We saw it happen with Des Bryant. Antonio Brown. Antonio Brown, right? right? He's I mean, a his, crazy, but yeah. his situation's a little different. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if he, if we should group him in. Uh, but one year ago, this time last year, 
Uh, A.J. Green was the wide receiver 14, hmm. right? And if I told you that he's not going to be a top 30 asset this time uh, next year, meaning right now, I think I would have gotten a lot of argument. Not only is he not a top 30 asset, he's not even a top 30 wide receiver. He's the wide receiver 35. Injuries obviously factor into that. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't think we can count on Julio far, falling that far. But I, I could almost guarantee Julio will not be a top 30 dynasty asset according to ADP this time next year. It's it's just this trend we continue to see with wide receivers that are that age. Especially, like you said, if 10 really good young guys enter the mix. I mean, I'd rather Jerry, I, I haven't even studied Jerry Judy, but I'll take him over Julio Jones. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. Right. Exactly. I mean, all, all the guys we mentioned that are knocking on Julio Jones' door, Keenan Allen, Cooper Cup, Galladay, and Diggs, and Lockett, and Moore, and Ridley, and Sutton, all of those guys I want over Julio Jones. And then I want Judy, and I want C.D. Lamb, and I want those mm-hmm. guys as well because those rookies are going to be top three, top five picks potentially in rookie drafts. And are you trading a top five pick to get Julio Jones? You should not be. No. I hope you're not. No, a couple notes from there is, first of all, I wouldn't. I would pay you wide receiver thirty-five price for AJ Green still. So it's not like they his stock's about as low as it could humanly go. I mean, I, I still think he has a lot of football in him that he can win you games week to week. But I mean, but your point's strong. I mean, Julio Jones is trending that way. Yeah, we're we're talking about two different things because that's that's the conversation that people want to have is. You know, Julio is special. He's he's mm-hmm. going to produce until he's 33 or 34. And yeah, you know, I, I wouldn't argue with that. But his value is not going to match that. I mean, we've seen it with Larry Fitzgerald. He's produced yeah. until he's 33 or 34, 35. But his value has been gone for three years. So, yeah, I want to buy Julio Jones. I want Jones on my roster, but I'm going to wait until that price drops and then I'll buy him and I'm going to sell him while I can. Yeah, I mean, since you and I have been doing this show, you couldn't get a first-round pick for Larry. <laughs> you know, I mean, it, it's it's not like it's going to go up ever. Right. You know, like, is Keenan Allen the next one? You know, someone like that, that is it time to ditch him because soon he's two years away from being Julio, and he's not as special as Julio. He's not a Hall of Famer. Or, you know, is Diggs that next guy? Like, who's the next wave after the A.J. Green Julio tier age-wise that are a couple of years younger than them, that this is going to occur to them soon. Well, I, I think Julio is the last one that was in that group. If you want to go back uh, five years or so, you were looking at the big group, the big, uh, I think it was five at that time, wide receivers who were, when you looked at most dynasty startup drafts, these were the first five guys being drafted. It was Julio and AJ Green and Demarius Thomas and Des Bryant and Calvin Johnson. Hmm. Um, and then and then Josh Gordon got in that group for uh, a small amount of time with his with his big season. Yeah, I would think AB got in it quickly after. And right, yeah, right, right. So we we've seen all those guys fall off. So just, Jones is the last one of that group. And then you can just kind of go by age. Keenan Allen is 27. Mm-hmm. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins is 27. Uh, Kenny Galladay is actually 26. We think of him as, as a young guy. And, and none of those guys are, are players I'm afraid of owning or afraid of buying right now. They're not must-sells or anything. Right. right. No, 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 right. no. Not at all. But I do agree with you that Allen is not special like Julio. He's not special like Hopkins. So if I can move from Allen to somebody else in that tier um, – Diggs, Lockett, 
more, obviously, Ridley, mm-hmm. uh, then then I would consider that. But I, I don't think we're I don't think those guys are. Yeah, like you said, they're not must sells at this point. Right, right. I mean, I'm just sitting here though. If if we have this conversation two years from now, or even a year from now, is Allen and even Nuke? Boy, I'd love to get a first round pick for them. It's hard to imagine that, but it's it's coming. Oh, I think Allen could be for sure. Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, once you know, we're close to we've we've started hinting at 2020 rookie stuff and. The closer we get to the offseason, the rookie hype takes over. And uh, we're not far from Allen being traded for 2021st even up. No, I guess not. So, okay. so if you fast forward a year or two years, then yeah, you you might be you might have a hard time getting even one first rounder for, for Keenan Allen. And the other thing, and we've talked about this over the years too, is you can Every team in your league would be interested in taking DJ Moore off your hands, where four teams in your league are interested in Julio or two. You know, like, I'm rebuilding. Sorry, I want nothing to do with them. You know, there's going to be a yeah. lot of those answers. Right, right. Yeah, that's that's a good point. Um, the, the insulation that that age brings is attractive to everybody, especially when they're already scoring. I mean, you look at uh, – you go back to – to the Juju conversation and he has kind of everything that, that we want in a dynasty wide receiver, except he's not producing right now. So mm-hmm. now he becomes a guy that some people have to avoid uh, specifically contenders. Like, yeah, I'd, I'd love to buy Juju, but I can't give up this guy. I'm starting every week for him. Yeah, um, true. But, but DJ Moore is, is producing this year. Um, so, so yeah, you're right. Worlds, he has, yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Matt, great conversation today. Uh, Good stuff on these four guys. Have a good Thanksgiving. Listeners, have a good Thanksgiving. And we'll be back next time with more Dynasty Blueprint.